Man, since our last recording, we have been all over the place. Yeah, I and mean, today is a big day. Today's a big day. Yes. So why don't uh, you want to uh, why don't you let the why don't you let our adoring audience know what, yeah. what the exciting event that's happening today? Because this is this is a week. This yeah. is a week. The exciting event is we are having our first um, annual. I mean, it's going to start being an annual thing, I think, uh, depending on how it goes. Customer appreciation party. It's also like a holiday party, and we did it a little bit earlier to beat the hustle and bustle of all the Christmas and holiday parties that are going on. But huge day. We have a hundred plus people coming, um, and there's just so much planning to be done. I'm really looking forward to it. So many of these customers we've only interacted with over email, so putting faces to, to the name is going to be amazing. But for me. As stressful as it is between the food and the drinks and the music and the bartender, all of it, getting the plant ready, the logistics, I am trying to take a step back. And I think I've been able to do this in the last few days and, and think about, wow, seven years ago when I started the business, having zero customers to now being able to invite, uh, we, we invited two to 300 people of customers, the biggest GCs and subs and most credible in the area. If you would have told me seven years ago that I would have been able to do that, I, I would, I wouldn't have believed you. So this is so amazing, like super surreal to see everybody in the room together tonight. Be like, wow, this is just a culmination of a dream that I had seven years ago when I was sitting there unemployed, scared as shit. What was I going to do with my life? Yeah, that's so cool. that's it's really a, it's cool. a really uh, really cool day. I will be very happy once it gets started, once all the vendors are here and it gets started. But up until that point, there's going to be a lot to do today. You know what I love to watch about it? I love to watch our teams come together. You know, yes. we share a building and, you know, our teams integrate, you know, Tommy gets going on his graphics and, and the TVs look awesome when people come in. And then, you know, our guys in the plant, they will stop, help set up the, you know, the area. We will party in our manufacturing plant, yeah. which is pretty cool. Like there's a pile of wood over your shoulder and a yes. box maker over this shoulder but I really enjoy watching how our teams come together and, yeah. and put on events here and, and that's why we built this place I mean we built this place to do exactly this so we could we could play our ass off just like we work our ass off I'm really excited for well I, I guess I could there's two parts of this I'm very excited for our customers to see the facility we built and party in there and celebrate and be like wow this is quite a facility the other part of it is now we're going to be showing them our facility so we're going to see all the requests that come out of this for storing material and so don't get don't get your hopes up people <laughs> don't get your hopes up <laughs> we got enough inventory of our own <laughs> true and then uh quick segue into another so part of our travels was to go see my mother in uh, florida who who we know is an avid listener and i and i we do speak of her a lot on here and if we're poking fun at her about gallons of milk or, or generally it involves my childhood in some fashion wait and wait we can't just say florida it's this special land. It's actually oh, yeah. a separate planet <laughs> called the Villages. So and true. if you have not been to the Villages, it's a 55 and older. Like you stepped out of the, what was that? The Stepford Wives. Everything is perfectly manicured. How many, I mean, 
there's just 125,000 people and growing and growing. It's a quarter of the size of Baltimore City. But there are little town centers and bars and restaurants and golf courses and everybody drives around in their golf cart. And it, I've never experienced a single thing like it. It is, you know, I, how do you describe it? Well, it, I would just say it's, it's the movie Benjamin Button. If you went backwards, it's it, albeit fifty five years and older. It's a it's a pack of children. Yes. I mean, right there, they have they have no schedules. They drive around in golf carts. They're all uh, liquored up. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the parties start. I mean, what time do we get going? Four thirty. And that was late. A- and we walked into a packed restaurant at yeah. four thirty. Yeah. So it's like adult children. It's like you. It's it's this uh, this crescendo of life where. You, uh, you know, you work your ass off and this and that, and then you come down to and, and relax on the other side where you go back to having no schedules, but you're of age to drink, which is, you know, is a different animal. And these folks, I mean, they the get s- down. They get down, and it's the same partying, but it's also like the same drama. Like, did you hear what Nancy and Billy, they're <laughs> builded? And it is something, man. I mean, it is. there's a movie about it, but there needs to be another one because oh, yeah. it is unlike anything I've ever, I mean, we get a real kick out of it. I love Love it. It's so much fun, but oh, I get yeah. a kick out it, of it. It's 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 complete. It's entertainment at its oh, finest. Oh my god! And, you know, and, and the drink specials are amazing. You know, where it's, it's like three drinks, two, for five dollars, yeah, two for one, <laughs> two for one. But the the first drink costs four dollars and ten cents, so you're drinking a two dollar and five cent drink. <laughs> I mean, it, it is something. And then it, one of my other favorite parts is we get to put all the names and the faces, like you were just saying with your construction, all the names and faces together of my mother's friends. Except what, they're all named Bill and Sharon. But we not this time. Not this not time. This we were time. graced with John and Carol, and we were. Which o- which brings me to my story. So we we uh, were introduced to a a lovely lovely man. Let let's call him John. Oh shit, his name's John. That's it's, for you, John. Remember, it's Jim. Oh no, no, it's John. Hmm. <laughs> so we, we joked the entire time about names, but John, who we met for the first time, um, uh, who's been through a lot of loss recently. Yes. you know. Uh, his wife and his daughter and and but despite all of that one of the nicest humans mm-hmm. you'd ever want to meet we, we were with him for just a couple of days and his wife collected these these Chinese I think he called them hourglasses oh was the I didn't actual hear term. that I didn't we were back and forth on text because I, I shot you know sent a picture and said hey this is where it belongs in our podcast room and uh, so he was kind enough to give us this which will forever grace our podcast room as we will put other things up that we uh, that 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 friends and listeners give us, but I thought that was sweet that despite what he's been through, he was, you know, kind enough and gracious enough to give us this. And it's 12 pounds, right? It, it, yeah. I mean, my arm is getting ready to fall. Yeah. Like my, my bicep is r- more ripped than usual over here because of the more. weight. Yeah. That's why I wear a black shirt just so it doesn't pop out. Um, well, well, also I will say as our last, this is potentially, I think we're still working through that, but potentially our last episode of season one, come season two, we definitely want to add some more uh, meaningful things to the podcast room, not just throwing up. To get started, we kind of threw shit up. Like, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Just like, like our last episode, sometimes you just got to get going. That's right. You just got to get in there. That's exactly but right. But now we're refining and we're going to put really meaningful things up. So, so thank you to John. And, as, and, and John, your gift is a four-hour podcast today because John said that they were a little bit on the long side of an hour. So we're going to go ahead and grind this thing out to four today. So let's just for John. So let's get in there. <laughs> and this is a really easy one because we're just doing a part two yes. from last week. Last week's episode being about lessons 
most important lessons we have learned through growing Arnold packaging and automation, Tegler construction and supply that are transferable to life and how you can um, apply them to be successful in life. Yep. And we just wanted to make this really applicable to anyone watching, whether you're interested in starting business, entrepreneurship or not. We only got through a couple of topics last week, and I assume it's probably going to be the same just because we go into such great detail. Mm -hmm. Why don't you start? Because I think we only touched on one of your your main topics last week. Yeah, and I think uh, also just the life component, too. Yes, if you're starting your business. Yes, if you're entrepreneurial. But, I, you know, as I look back or I was writing my topics, a lot of them that I, fo that I hit on were young Mick Arnold, uh, you know, taking over it at 24, 25 years old and all of the tools and skills that I didn't have and looking back retrospectively and saying, God, I was such a fill in the word asshole, you know, what, whatever, M moron, neophyte, naive, you know, whatever word you'd put in there. So a lot of these for me were looking back and going, huh, what, what changes did I make or evolve into as I was learning a lot of times the hard way, you know, mm -hmm. doing it wrong, getting it wrong. Um, and what could I, you know, what could I share? And, and hopefully so many of these are just go right into life. We talk about personal productivity, which has both. And, and this one I think is absolutely applicable every single place that you go. And it's as simple as um, ask more questions and, and make fewer statements. And I, and I, I just I feel like when I was a younger leader that I showed up, I showed up making statements and, and which could even be experienced as demands or dictatorial and on level 12, you know, loud. And one of my other notes was here is that, you know, volume doesn't equal urgency, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think having grown up around a dad that, that was a boomer, you know, there was a lot of that, you know, and where if you wanted something done or you want to make sure everybody knew how important it was, you screamed, right? You just, you, you got to a new level of volume and that was just something that I watched. And, and can I interject just one quick thing here? Cause yeah. I, it's, it's making me think of something we had. Um, and that she's actually no longer at the company, but on email, a woman responded to an email exchange we were on in all caps letters. <laughs> and I wrote back, I wrote back, despite all the caps here in the real world, it doesn't make any of us move any faster. <laughs> it, Hopefully she just had her caps lock stuck. <laughs> no, she didn't. And I knew that. And she's no longer at the company. But uh, like, I, I was like, how, how am I going to address this? Because this is absurd. And it's just the same thing like that. Right. If I hit the caps lock button and say the same thing again, maybe I can get it sooner. I, I, yeah, right? exactly. And, and we have this, uh, so I'm all over the map today, probably because I'm physically, mentally exhausted. We talked about fatigue along the way. Um, we also have customers that will ask the same question over and over, hoping to get a different answer. It's like, um, you've already asked me this six times, and uh, what am I supposed to do? Forget the answer? I'll get so tired. They don't like your answer. I know. I know. We have, we have, we have customers that do that. We have employees and spots that do that. We have salespeople that do that. So relating sure. this to life, because you say this to the girls all the time, they pretend like they don't hear or ignore, and you're like... No, you just don't like the answer I <laughs> gave you. Right. You yeah. heard me. Yeah, you exactly. just don't like the answer. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're relying on my fatigue to roll over, and sometimes they're <laughs> don't right. Like, so, don't say that. Sometimes say they're that. right. Don't. Well, they don't listen. They won't listen until until they don't years, tell you they listen years from now. That's bullshit. You think they're closet listeners? I think they're listening. <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, that was uh, so. I think I would come in, you know, at times on on tilt with uh, with with statements instead of questions, and just in I think in general, business side, personal side, whatever relationship you're talking about, it would be about you know thinking and 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 listening to. I mean, I, someone I was talking to someone the other day. This is all pertinent, I promise you. Despite all of my popcorn shit right now. Um, I was talking to someone the other day and I, and I realized in watching our episodes back that in the moment I'm, I'm very present, but I, there are things that when I watch, I don't exactly recall parts of our conversations with, with very intimate detail. And I think it's because while you're talking, I'm not listening to respond. I'm listening to understand. Mm Mm-hmm. And therefore, crafting my response um, or, or building around. And there are times when you start talking, I honestly have no idea what the hell I'm going to say. But in, lis- in listening to understand, it, it all becomes very clear. And, and after 30 seconds, 40 seconds, however long it is that you're making a point, mm, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> whatever, <laughs> I, uh, I'm ready. Like, I'm like, okay. But then I realize that when I watch it back that I was like, oh, that's right. We did talk about, or I did say that then after she said this. And I think if I had done a better job along the way of showing up like that to start, you know, listening to understand versus listening to respond, I would have gotten a lot further, a lot faster, which the exact opposite of that is showing up, um, speaking on, on level 12 on blast. So that's one of the ones that I would take every single place that, that I go going forward would be to show up and start with a question. And we talk about it here and we talk about it a lot in our company that, that you can tell how smart someone is not by the answers that they give, but by the questions that they ask. And I'm always watching our team. You know, we do a lot of um, a lot of group presentations, especially in the automation side. The number of times I am on a Teams call in a room, quote unquote, 2D room with, you know, three or four of our teammates and th- could be three or four of the customer's teammates. The customer is is doing a lot of the talking and then I'm listening for our team to see what our next response or input is. And it's generally a question and I know from the quality of the question how deep of an understanding they have sure. of what the customer sure. just said. Now, I generally have the benefit of having spent more time with a customer, and that's because the way our process works, you know, we're out qualifying and quantifying to invite our engineering team into the room gets wildly expensive. So I have the benefit. I generally have a lot more information. I've collected a lot more information simply by having the benefit of being exposed longer. And I'm looking to see how fast it takes them to catch up with what I've already collected. Now, I have given them a download of sorts, certainly not perfect, certainly not complete, because I just can't disseminate and and pass all that information on, nor do I want to jade them with my bias of the application. I want them to get it on their own. And I'm listening for their questions. And man, I will tell you that a lot of the times, you know, it could be a little off with question one, but by question two, and certainly by question three, I mean, I can tell they are absolutely dialed in. And that's just a, a all part and parcel to this, this, this idea of things I have learned 
uh, over the years to to asking questions first and speaking later. And when you speak, there's still even a better way to do it than the way I showed up as a, a young leader, um, dictatorial. You know, it was it was a dictation, not a conversation. Nothing that looked collaborative, taking it another level. And and I could even show up on blast at times too. Sure. And I, this is very common for a lot of young leaders or I mean, not necessarily we're using the word young. I, I'm using it in the context of a newer leader, no matter what age you are. Right. Experience. Yep. Experience. And I believe a lot of the reason is because you are probably you as in plural, anybody in this position Maybe you are, as, as someone new to what you're doing, you're inexperienced, and maybe a lot of times we're somewhat insecure because we are experienced. So if we ask the questions, we are afraid, which is stupid, but that we are going to look in, inexperienced and like we don't know what we're doing. So we show up in this matter-of-fact, dictatorial manner because we want to make sure everybody knows that we do in fact know what we're talking about. So I think that's definitely part of it. And then as you grow and you do become more experienced, you're, you know, you know what you know and you know what you don't know. You're secure at that point as you gain security and you're like, no, I, I, I know a lot. I don't know everything. And everyone around me knows that and trusts me and knows I'm credible. You no longer worry about asking the questions because you're so secure. You are experienced. So I think that's the difference. So it's really common to be that person that you were, you were describing yourself as. I think a lot of us go through that. Yeah. And I and it, well, here's what's interesting. It just hit me again. I was sitting over here listening to, to understand. I didn't do it in the field. So that's the thing that was the, that uh, I just, just remembered. When I was with customers, and let's just say I was 26 or 27 years old, and I was wearing a lot of different hats. I was you know running the business, but I also had a sales territory too. I mean, as a much smaller company, I still work in the business, but I really worked in the business then. I mean, I was a producer. I might have also been the chief producer at that point in time. But when I was with customers, I, I, I wasn't that way. You know, I remember any number of engineers. Um, there was a, an engineer that British Petroleum used to have a solar panel division in Frederick called BP Solar. And one of the engineers that worked there, whose name was Dinesh Amin, was considered one of the godfathers of solar. Uh, worked for Westinghouse, actually put solar panels on the space shuttle. That's, you know, a lot of the solar, a lot, so much technology I don't think a lot of people know came from NASA, um, whether it was <laughs> uh, windshield uh, applications and, and different things. But there was a relationship that I had where I showed up. I mean, green, like really green and, and was very comfortable to ask questions. And he was very comfortable to ask. And at no point did he ever show up with this attitude that I was a dumb kid, right? If that's the way you'd want to, if you'd want to position it that way. But I was very okay to do that. But it, but I remember now when I would get back to the office, when I was in a position of leadership, I don't know if it was, I had this made up story that I was expected to know everything. And, and, you know, I had to be this all knowing being also, touched on it, uh, listening back, I was younger than everybody mm -hmm. the vast majority of the time. And have just recently started to be the oldest person in the room or one of the older people in the room. And, uh, but that was very different. Like I was completely okay to do that with customers and, and they were very happy to teach me. And that's one of the takeaways, regardless of how I do, there's a lot of people that just want to help you. You know, it's, it's okay to say, I don't know how to make a solar panel. And this particular individual, he, he was 
he was ecstatic to teach me about how solar panels work and photovoltaic technology versus, uh, you know, thin films and all the things I remember about learning about solar. Not well, my job was just to get it into a box, not to dumb it down. But my job was to get it from point A to point B. But I was completely invested and and immersed in wanting to understand what they were doing at the at the deepest possible level. This is so applicable to life too, because if I think about it, if I have someone that tells me shows up and is like, "Listen, I do not know. You're asking me a question. I don't know." But I'll most of the, like a great answer is, but I'll find out or I'll rely on the expert or I'll connect you with somebody that does. But then when they show up to give me an answer or something they do know, I really trust them because they've been honest in what they don't know. And thus, I trust them even more in what they don't know, do know. And I believe that is a great life lesson across the board in anything you're doing. You don't have to pretend. And people value that honesty and transparency. And then when you, you show up about something you do know, it's like, oh, I'm listening because they were, they've been honest with me this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's also changed too. It, at some point, it, we, John, our, uh, our, our brother in, in Hourglass, um, asked us to do something on business ethics uh, as, as one of our topics, which we'll, we'll delve into in, in season two. And I was, I was thinking about that and, and playing that through. I think there's a lot more transparency or I, I experience a lot more transparency in business than I remember as a younger participant in business. I'm not suggesting that it was to the point where there was there was ethical issues or or things along those lines. But I don't know whether between the amount of information that's available real time, whether it is Google or 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 let's just talk about price transparency. That's uh, one. Right. Let's book. just talk about price transparency. Yeah. You want to know what something called cost? Pick up your supercomputer, called your phone, and you want to know what the market will bear. It'll tell you. So whether it's uh, things along those lines have just have blown the cover off. And I remember someone using the term to to describe you know the boomer generation is this this wizard behind the curtain mentality where. Th- they, they, there was so much information that was captured, and I'm, I promise you, I'm not going to use this word proprietary for one time. But just the idea that all of that information wasn't available, and it was closely held by a few people, and it, 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 it had this mantra of lack of transparency because. If you didn't know it, you didn't know it, and there wasn't really an easily accessible place to go get it. And I, I just it seems like the cover has been blown off of the vast majority of that in a great way. I think it fosters a lot more collaborative uh, conversations and interactions. I think the transparency is at a, a much higher level um, than it's been. And and go and right in line with what you said, I think it has fostered this level of trust that's different. You know, it, it, it just feels less adversarial to me. I remember as a young salesperson, there was definitely this us versus them feel when I was working with buyers or purchasing agents, or it, it really wasn't this, how do we get there together mentality. Meanwhile, I was selling packaging materials and you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find a product in the process that that's that's more important than in that way, right? I mean, talk about going to market together. We're literally going to market together. You know, you're going to put your widget in my box and the next person that's going to see it is your customer, but really our collective customer. Mm-hmm. Because if we're doing our job, we're talking about 
your customer, right? Our customer's customer. But even still, it had this adversarial um, feel at times, whether, you know, price or, or, or whatever it was. And, and it, too, had a dictatorial feel. Like, it was lowly supplier, do what I say. And it just doesn't feel that way anymore. It, it does have a much more of a we're in this together feel. And I'm not sure if the pandemic did some of that. Think about the supply chain challenges where you had really had to lean on suppliers where because especially in our industry, if you couldn't get a box and you couldn't ship your stuff, you couldn't generate revenue. But I, I really like the direction that it seems to be headed versus what I recall as an as an earlier participant in sales or business. And, and I, I hope we continue to go in that direction. And, and partner up and, and find relationships, um, business, but really all of them where they're just so synergistic and even symbiotic where, you know, you, you're, you're just partners in business. Yes, one person happens to buy something from the other, but man, the ultimate goal is to, to make the, the next person in line, their customer, their customer's customer, as long as that supply chain is, make them happier, more productive, and, and even a little more profitable too. Yes, it, I'm sure all the factors you, you mentioned have played into that transparency, collaborative piece. I also just think there just seems to be such a, a cultural shift towards that, just uh, in general. Um, I, I don't, again, I think it's for a lot of different reasons, but in life. Um, are we ready to, to start with a... A new topic and sure. anything any lasting thing I, I think that was a, i think that was an absolutely great one and so applicable to both business and life well just one more thought um social media gets a bad rap in a lot of spots i mean what contribution or, or what is the good potential contribution that the word social in social media has an effect on that i mean are we actually because we have phones as supercomputers and we're able to touch you know the other Eight, almost 8 billion with a B people on this big ass rock called Earth, are we starting to get a little bit better understanding of each other through that? Not all the bullshit and all the horrible things that go oh, on uh, and all uh, of the misinformation. You know, it, what are the great nuggets of the word social and social media that maybe has us evolving faster than we would have without it? And maybe that's a. That's a, where a, my mind was a contributor. Was yeah. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I would just wrap on that. This And this is a great segue to the one I had in mind because it go, it's, it's all, again, all about people and relationship and connections. And something really important, which I've talked to you about, and you've probably heard me say, tell this story a million times, but it was such a great reminder when I was starting the business. And I, I ha we had a project. This was when we were on the GC side of things. Our first real project, a restaurant project. We were renovating the restaurant. I mean, we gutted the whole thing. And the team we were working with suggested we just work direct with their banking team, who was M&T Bank, who is, well, I'll get to that. So we, I said, sure, like we can work direct with your bank in a lot of different, but they would, they would pay us direct, so on and so forth. So we, cre I created this great rapport with the, the guy was named Mickey Gorman at the time, the banking agent at M&T Bank. And we worked with them. Well, at the time, this was our first project. I had 
no no history with any banks. I had no lender. I had nothing, right? I bootstrapped my business. I was working off the savings I had in my bank account. I knew eventually I needed a banking partner. Eventually, as in very quickly. So I go through the process. I'm starting to build the business slowly. And I apply to different smaller banks mostly. Um, one of them was focused on minority companies and, you know, just putting feelers out there, seeing who who would who would lend to me. And I got rejection after rejection. And finally I went to MT Bank and we had a discussion and they decided to, that, to, to take us on and be a banking partner. And we were, I found out later that we were the first startup that year that they decided to partner with. And this was in 2000. Uh, I don't know if it was in 2000. We start, I started the business in 2016, but this might not have happened to 2017. But what I came to realize was M&T decided to take a chance on us. We had basically no history as a company. It was just me. I was subcontracting work. So think about it. I had one customer, one project, no employees, very little on my bank account, no company history. Why would they say, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. We're going to, we're going to loan Brit some money. And when I thought back about it, they believed in me, in my story, in my vision. As I saw, sat across that table from them, I really had to, I don't think it was about my business plan, right? It was about what I had in mind and them knowing my character a little bit and working with me. Right. And it, it, it reminds me every time that the people, no matter how scared you are, no how, how inexperienced, if you feel really out of place, uncomfortable, you're sitting across the, the table from a lawyer or, or, or a banker or someone much more experienced than you, a CEO, they're still, strip it all down, just people. Mm-hmm. And you're always looking eye to eye with a person and that is very similar to you. And people are emotional and they have feelings and your your stories and you are touch people. So you just at any time, like I, I going up in an uncomfortable situation, I'm like, I'm so far out of my league right now. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I try to remind myself the person I'm about to sit, sit across is so much like me, like no matter what they're doing, they're listening to me and my story. And we're going to have these, we're both going to have some kind of emotional response or, and I, I think when you can keep that in mind, and make situations, whatever you're in, less scary. You just go in and you remember that because that's that's all it took. And now M&T Bank and, and I, we're incredible customers. We've built an amazing business with them. It paid off for them in the end. My vision came to fruition plus more. So that I think that was just a great example of, and that's in life, like you, you're going to be in these uncomfortable situations, but just remember, it's just a person. It's just a person sitting across the table from you that has all the same feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And and I remember uh, so similar stories. If I just took it over, staying on the business side, and I don't want to lose track of the personal side as we mm-hmm. talk about this too, because all of this, anytime we talk about something that has to do with a relationship or um, the idea of attraction or being attractive, it really, it, it you know, it, it it's across everything. I mean, every single relationship you have, personal, professional, whatever. And I had to remind myself of that when I was going into big customers, and right, I was sitting across from the VP of whatever 
whatever from pick a company around here, McCormick, Becton, Dickinson. You're like, North, I don't belong North here. Department. Yeah, I don't belong here because your building's bigger than mine and you have seventh. Your building's a hundred times bigger than mine. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're, and your 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 workforce is is a thousand bigger times bigger than mine. That was what I something I had. But again, not early. You know, it, it I did not it did not occur to me early, and I I uh, had the pleasure of listening to Kevin Plank speak early in his career, and he told a similar story. He had not he did not yet have his shoe line. So he was going to China to pitch one of the largest manufacturers of shoes. And whatever happened that day, power outage, some, some, some uh, freakish event had his presentation, his PowerPoint presentation, that I'm sure they had invested hundreds of man hours into because they were actually pitching a supplier to make their shoes. A little bit diff- different, right? Like, wait a minute, I'm the customer here. Why am I pitching you to make my shoes? Whatever happened, none of those tools were available in his exact comment was at that moment, I realized it was me, the guy across the table, and the three and a half Mm -hmm. feet of pine between me and that person Mm -hmm. across the table, regardless of how big I was, how big they were. And and, uh, that was one that stuck with me. I talked about Norman Schwarzkopf last time. There's these little nuggets that I, that I, captured along the way. That's one. And it wasn't maybe until I heard it articulated that way that I thought, okay, yes, of course that makes sense. And, and I will say there is like the confidence that comes from doing some things, you know, and, and, and that confidence is, is what allows you to get there and, and get past whatever those insecurities would be. So I don't know that it's, it's, it's exactly as easy as saying, yeah, that's right. I deserve a seat at the table. Um, there is some internal workings and some, some insecurities that, that you can get past with repetition, which builds confidence, which builds credibility, and, and all of those, those, those words ultimately jive. And then what I think happens is you show up differently, whether you know it or not. You know, if, if, the, if the idea that you have seven seconds to make that impression um, those seven seconds would really matter. And whatever you had accumulated in knowledge and experience, if it made those seven seconds better than they were when you were younger, then you've got a much better chance of success. So it, I, I believe it all goes to, together as you're, you're, as you're building that war chest of, of, of uh, tools that you have to, to go to go to work, whatever that means. And that could also be a, a personal event too. I don't mean work, work. I mean, whatever it is that you're trying to communicate. And confidence was the other piece I was definitely going to touch on today, which you did. And I think for me, at least personally, to be able to think the way I did allowed me to get to the table. Otherwise, I would have run the other way. So I think reminding myself this just a person allowed me to, to get to the table. So and every experience I had across the table from somebody allowed me to build the confidence slowly. And so, like you said, it's all about practice. It's all about repetition. The more you do, the more comfortable you get, the more confident. And showing up with confidence is half the battle. Mm-hmm. You you know, as a young entrepreneur, you've got to show up confident. If you don't, people are going to read right through it. And why am I going to invest in somebody that doesn't even, or at least on the surface, doesn't even, isn't even confident enough to believe in themselves or their vision? Right. And that's hard sure. when you have very little. 
Yep. So yeah, the word that w- was racing through my head when you were telling the story about the bank to open this 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 topic um, was collateral, right? I mean, so the the pure business banking term collateral, you didn't have any collateral to speak of. So the collateral that you were trading on was your entire life, you know, whether it was how you grew up, how you attacked sports, your level of commitment. So, well, you didn't have this this bucket of collateral over here, you know, called a house that you can sign away through an IDOT, an indemnified deed of trust. Some of our favorite, right? We say you have you haven't made it until you've until you've made payroll and signed an IDOT, right? Meaning, if you fail, they take your house and your kids are homeless. Um, you were building, you know, you were trading on this collateral, which was your life story, how you approach sports and the level of commitment and, and that you had bootstrapped it so far and whatever you had, you had, you had willed it as such. And they decided to invest in you based on life collateral, not the technical banking term collateral. That's a really good point. And part of probably that them taking that risk was looking at the risk I was taking. Like, if she's willing to do this, maybe maybe we should take a step. I Again, I know there's an underwriting process, and it's much more analytical, but a big piece of it is, is was our engagement and the, the interaction from, from human to human. And that's something to be said for the 3D world versus the 2D that, that you just can't get. The other point I do want to hone in on quickly is you mentioned the sports piece of it. And I've talked about this before, but just as a young female, even adult female playing soccer so competitively, it definitely allowed me, it was so transferable. Like I built so much confidence during that process of being, of building myself to an elite athlete. And it was so transferable in the business space. And that is why I'm such a proponent of young girls getting involved in really sports specifically, but there's a lot of other things and building skill sets and improving and putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. Like that builds confidence and that is transferable into your adulthood and your career. And that really was set such a great foundation of confidence that I was uh, able to stand on once I started business. Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, can we, can I just segue into an add on Absolutely. to this? Yeah. Cause that was a, that was a great one. Um, and I, it just hit me as something that I learned along the way is being very intentional and being very aware about building brand you, I would call it. And, and there's never been a, uh, a bigger war chest of tools to do that with than at this, this point in, in history. And, I remember when I was when I was a young a lot of young leader stories coming out of me for, for these these two uh, these two episodes for sure. But I remember as a, a young leader, someone along the way I don't recall who said get published. Like that was something that really resonated me. I don't care what you do, I don't care how you do it, get published. Well, it was long enough ago. We're talking about you know nineteen ninety six seven eight. It was going to be on paper. You know there weren't these electric where anybody can, I can get published in ten seconds if I go to my my LinkedIn account. Different, harder. So. I thought, okay, I, I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get published. I like to write anyway, and I, I have some ideas that I want to share, and I did, and I started submitting um, essays. There was there was a, a contest that I won where I got a scholarship to the University of Industrial Distribution, but- Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. you know, the University of, of Industrial course. Distribution. Doesn't everybody attend? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was about, it, tell us what you see for the future, simply, and, and whatever I- 
put together was, was, was good enough that I was able to do it. But it didn't occur to me at that point that I was actually starting to build brand me or brand you. And that's something that, that uh, everybody should start working on as fast as humanly possible. Yes, you work for a company, um, and, 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 and this we absolutely practice what we preach. I, you know, I, was, I was on myself last week about not demonstrating my interest in singing and by doing nothing about it. This is something that we really do, um, walk the talk. And yes, you work for Arnold Packaging, but I, I want everyone here to have an incredible brand underneath of it. You know, who is who is the the John Smith under Arnold Packaging, and why why are you important, and why are you a subject matter expert? And it's it's a lot easier now than it's ever been to create brand you. And no matter what your your contribution is to an organization, it has a very sales or front person feel to it. That's absolutely not the case. You could be in, in the back of the building. And what I mean is your role has you working in an area, you're in ops, you're in, in R&D, you know, mm -hmm. things that wouldn't have that front person feel to them. It doesn't matter where you are personally, professionally, you have to build brand you and continue to tell the story as you evolve because brand you is going to change over the years. Just like any other brand is going to change, brand you is going to change and get better, stronger, faster, more credible, more confident, and 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 more engaging, mm -hmm. right? And more engageable, if that's a word. Um, so the idea that that you would start working on brand you and never ever stop, and you'd figure out the tools. Like, listen, this this podcast is a huge builder of brand us, there. right? I mean, I'm building brand me. You're building brand you. We're building brand us, and. I, that wasn't something that ever occurred to me, um, obviously, you know, go get published. So, and that was really along the lines of establish yourself as a subject matter expert, but subject matter expertise is just one little part, excuse me, of brand you. So I would really be leaning into regardless of what your role is or what you're doing. And this is uncomfortable for a lot of people because there is an advertising feel to it. There's a put yourself out there. Like I think of Brooke, right? Our, our, our oldest daughter, that would be something that would be very uncomfortable for her if it had a very public feel to it, where meanwhile, you know, what, what she does is relates to, to veterinary medicine and her contribution. Her story is incredible. If she would imagine if she would lean into building brand you called Brooke Arnold, they would be an amazing story mm -hmm. and so attractive. So that would be one takeaway that just occurred to me as you were talking about being really diligent and intentional about building brand you. Th that, that wasn't specifically on my list, but that's such a good one. But you know what? When you, again, when you strip it all down, take all the layers off the onion, all that saying is that the most important thing that we have is your personal relationships to other people. People are not personally invested with Arnold packaging. They are personally invested with Mick Arnold or the salesperson they're working with or the Tommy and Mark, whoever their contact is. Mm -hmm. That is it. And that is actually how I was able to build my business, Tagler Construction and Supply, because I had so many relationships from the former companies I worked with and not intentionally. Sometimes it was pulling their business from those other places I formerly worked with and staying with me. And, and the one that I always remember, which I've referenced before, is Mike McDevitt, who 
we were working on projects with him at my former employer. And then he said to me, well, I, I, I don't, I don't care about X employer. And it could have been any employer. It wasn't, it wasn't because that employer did anything. It was just my relationships with you. So I'm going to do the project with wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And that's such a great example of it. And I think you and I have unintentionally, at least I, none of this was intentional when I started putting my story on LinkedIn But the ROI on that, like when I get into a LinkedIn story, I can look at the engagement. So on a great post, I could get 200,000 views, but it's always a very personal, intimate story. If I'm simply putting something on LinkedIn about my business or, you know, we sell lumber or something, it's, it's not even close. And it just goes to show you people want that personal connection. And I've been able to build that through LinkedIn. And because of that, the ROI for Tegler and construction and supply has been incredible. And people, you can't necessarily measure in metrics what you're doing on LinkedIn and and what kind of um, return it has on your business. But in some situations, I can tell you I can because this person found me and was attracted to my story and introduced themselves. And then we found we did a million dollar contract together, Mm -hmm. which would have never happened. So I think that is so, so important. But the one thing I have to I have to mention, and this is hard to do, really, really hard to do, is not putting on a facade or a story and really just telling it authentically, which really is so hard. And I'm not even sure I, I have so much I have a lot of improvement to do there because we all want to interject these parts, whether it's make us look better or the story look better, but you've really got to be so honest in that story because if you're not, you're not going to get what you want out of it or what you need out of it. Yeah. And I think what you've done, I think the magic for what you've done um, is that your, your motivation or your intention behind it was very pure. It was to just tell a story, right? There was, I, I know what you're doing when you're writing. You're generally, you're generally releasing something. Therapeutic. And, and I know that we even, we, there, it came up on this podcast where you said, you know, damn the rest of all of it until I get this out, I'm not going to be able to function properly. And I think nothing about what you ever did was tied to a marketing message Mm -hmm. or return on investment Mm -hmm. or any of it, right? You just had, you just had to get it out and, and, and still not. And, 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 but look at this. I mean, this exact platform now we struggle mightily to understand at times the level of engagement. And none of this is about ROI. I mean, we, we just, you know, yes, of course we're building brand us, brand and you, me, but we struggle really mightily to understand and engagement, but, but really care, but don't care. It's not about that, right? I mean, this is not about driving anything to any bottom line of any kind. We just love talking to each other and sharing whatever we've gotten wrong openly and honestly. And if that, if that resonates or attracts great. Um, it's not going to do it for everybody. It's not going to do it for everybody all the time, but we love it. Right. And, and for those people that are aligned with it and are attracted to it, that want to tune in, we're ecstatic to have them. But I promise you, we don't break this meeting with Tommy and, and try to, to 
tie nickels and dimes and quarters to this as, as an event. Nothing, nothing of the sort. So if there is something the about yeah, exactly the opposite, yeah, for, if you want to talk about opportunity costs or something we're not doing right now, but um, that authenticity piece and building brand you and, and back to the bank story was, you know, they were investing in brand you, you know, the collateral that was built up through the story of Brit and what she had done for that, that, you know, the first 30 years, I think, right? The th first 30 years of your life is what the investment was in. It was in really in brand new, regardless of not having any, any technical collateral. And, and to, to tie this up with a bow, a, a really great example of this, which you can measure, is if, if you look at a, even ours, like a LinkedIn page or an Instagram page that's for a podcast, which we have. And I see one. Let, let's, let's talk about a podcast that's massive, the number one, two, three in the world. If, you, if I went on Instagram and I looked at their podcast page versus their personal page, they will have millions and millions of followers on their personal page, on their podcast page, maybe 100,000, 200. It's not even close because people are not connected to the podcast. Honestly, they really don't give a shit. They're so interested in that person and they listen to the podcast because they love that person and th those Instagram personal pages. And that's what when we were meeting with agencies, because we were trying to get some consulting help. And how do we do this thing? Like, are we doing that? We always want to learn. We always pursue our curiosities. We're lifelong learners. And one of the things they said was, you've got to build your personal brands because people don't care about your podcast Instagram page. Like they really want to lean into you. And when they do, that's going to drive viewership and audience to your collective podcast, mm -hmm. which is so true. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So that's a good one. Um, brand you. And, and I, uh, I think it's getting better. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if there's this mandatory feel because there is now a tool called LinkedIn where you can. And, and listen, God, uh, we're Except talking. some of it's so fake. That's the one thing. I mean, that, that is disseminating between what's, I think what's really important is you can get caught up in following these fake lives and it can be really disheartening and discouraging. It's like you've got to follow the people that are very inspiring and vulnerable and honest and sure. finding that because there are two opposite ends of the spectrum with the ability on social media. And we're, we use LinkedIn, but I bet it, most of this is people who TikTok and Instagram. And, yeah, and these are Facebook, depending on your age, yeah, right? Correct. Your, your, your demo. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 that's no, no, very, very important. Do you want to, uh, you want to tackle one more? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Do you want me to say it? Yeah. One last one. I think this is, this is, uh, I will see how deep we go. Not for me to decide, but, um, hire, work with, and surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Uh, hmm. And I'll, and I'll keep going okay. while you, uh, okay. so you can listen to understand like I always do. I remember as a, as a, as a younger leader, for some reason, having to feel like I, that, that I would not be capable of leading or being an effective leader if I wasn't the smartest person in the room, right? I had to be leading. And for whatever reason, in my mind, leading meant having, you know, th thought supremacy, uh, or whatever those things were. And I realized that 
when I started to surround myself and, and bring people into my life organization um, that were smarter, more experienced, whatever that means, right? The collective, the collective uh, component of that, that I was able to get a lot further, a lot faster. There were situations, that, you know, on the work side where. I might have been delegating things. You know, I, I, I was literally freeing up bandwidth and time because I had people of equal or even better skill sets than I had that I could that I could offload some of some of my my uh, my my work and be able to pursue things that I was better at. There were more in line with with what my superpowers would look like. And then everywhere else too, you know, is, is we talk about our war rooms and, and, you know, what, but I don't know that that's as easily done until you know what you don't know. I mean, that's something that I, I, I absolutely figured out along the way is, you know, now I believe I'm a lot more effective at identifying things that I don't know and not even attempting not to be lazy or not to expand my horizons on knowledge or capabilities, but to understand that with, with limited bandwidth and time resources being finite, that there's a better way than me tackling it. And then, so that just for me went into my, my, uh, personal life too. And always saying, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm so, the complete opposite, right? I'm so happy to be the dumbest person in the room because it means that I can learn, I can experience things that I wouldn't have otherwise, that I can listen. You know, I mean, if, if, if you think you are or you are legitimately the smartest person in the room, you probably spend more time talking than listening. And when you really realize and you're comfortable with and secure with being the dumbest person in the room, then you spend a hell of a lot of time listening. And if you are going to speak, um, it's after careful consideration and, and thought and you have listened to understand and you're you're going to engage when appropriate. So that's been something that uh, that, I, that I've learned and, and gotten better at significantly better out along the way and this is one at least when you listen to podcasts like you hear this one all the time like put yourself be be the dumbest in the room you know surround yourself by smart people and i agree but I, there i think i would there's also situations where i would really push back on that i i don't think that applies always i think there are going to be times where you should be the smartest person in the room i think there are going to be many a time where you're going to want to mentor somebody and you're going to want to teach and in those situations, I mean, that's part of what you do. And in those situations, like you, you should be the smartest person in the room. On a particular topic. How's that? Uh, on a particular right? in a, topic. In a, in a lane. Absolutely. Yep. Like, and so uh, I, I understand the concept of that and agree for the most part. But there are going to be situations where it's appropriate to, to, to be the smartest in the room. And, and you should be. Well, it's hard to be a subject matter expert. If you're not an expert, right? right. And, and when it does come into that realm of subject matter expertise, then yeah, you, you better show up that way. Um, but gosh, there's so many things that I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many things and, and I just, I am so thirsty to get more well-rounded and, and not because I need to be the best at every single, uh, every single thing, but because I'd like to be able to take those learnings into the things where I am a subject matter expert and make them better because no one has looked at them through that lens yet because they didn't have exposure to all of those other different elements. Right. Yeah. And going back to my point about at times we should be the smartest in the room. I mean, it would, it's a responsibility. I feel like I, I have, or even going to have much more so in 10, 15, 20 years to give back and share. It's almost selfish not to. To your point, 
there are so many situations. And, and this almost goes into, you could push this into the route of delegation almost. Like for instance, if we're, desi- which we're doing right now, which is why I bring it up. If you're looking at doing some work on your house design, like we are so happy to defer to the experts. We will tell them, we know what we don't know. And please teach us everything and speak to us like a fifth grader. We say that all the time. We want to learn on things that are outside of our realm. I am now the first to look for somebody else. And typically who I can find that's in reach that is the best at what they do. That is my first initial reaction. When I was starting my business, it was that was never my first. My first was, let me work through this. Let me figure it out myself. Do you know how much easier it makes your life when something gets thrown at you and you're like, instead of spending hours trying to figure it out and you still won't even be at step one of where these other people are at step 100, just reach out to somebody that's already there. It makes your life, it expedites your learning curve, all of it. But that wasn't my initial reaction when I, not even close, the opposite. Yeah. So- I, I see it as part of that delegation piece or reaching out to things you don't know about, whether it's in your business, it, it, whatever it is. And that is a great lesson. And you get, you learn faster. Your life gets easier. You create report, I mean, s- rapports. I, I don't finish my words a lot because <laughs> s- I get so excited to move to the next one. Uh, don't, it's not actually true. You do finish your words. You know, you don't think you do. There's like a handful I don't <laughs> in might, every podcast. You might throw a lyric away occasionally as John Legend um, If say. I say, does everybody understand what I'm saying? Because in my head, <laughs> they do. True. But, and and I'm, I'm the worst person for that because I, of course I know what you're saying, duh. Right. right? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not the one to answer that question for sure. Kicking the heck out of me down here this morning. Did you, you are, change your leg position? I don't know, but you are like a bean today. Did you change your leg position? Let me hit you with a tranquilizer dart. You know, calm down over there. That's why you got a lot of energy. <laughs> oh, for, I know you do. But but anyway, so that's um that's that's such a good good point and such a great life lesson. And man, if if you want to just make your life so much better in every regard. Put your ego aside and reach out to somebody and notice what the hell they're talking yeah, about yeah. immediately. Yeah, my first thought now is, who do I know that knows this better than I do? Right. And, and, and the one thing I will say, a lot of times it does take financial resources to be able to do that. Absolutely. So when you're starting a business, while that sounds great, you're like, I, I don't, I can't, I can't pay this lawyer for his expertise. Now you now you you do have YouTube and other resources, but I I could very much so get. I don't want to forget what it was like seven years ago and why I might not have or I might have hesitated to reach out, and that's real. Yeah, no, that, that's very that's very fair. If you don't have the cash, you don't have the cash. Right. So yeah, you you have to figure it out in that moment. And you're right, the tools are getting better. You know, I have uh, I've spent quite a bit of time with Chat GPT 4.0 recently, and gosh, if I had that tool, I I, I often wonder wonder though, would I have been smart enough to use it? I don't mean clinically intelligent enough to ask it the questions. I was such a blockhead. I don't, I, I don't know. I hope I would have been able to evolve at a speed where I would have said, well, why wouldn't I just use this tool? I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to, this is, this is not suggesting I would park my brain ever, but God, man, if there's a, uh, if there's a, a better way to do it, I would, uh, case in point, uh, 
mean, my CNBC addiction, but Andrew Ross Sorkin was messing around yesterday morning because they had Nikki Haley coming in. And he said, I don't know, let's see what chat GPT would do. So he said, what questions would you ask? And, you know, Joe's across the room <laughs> freaking out, right? Because he's like, hmm, is this going to replace me at some point? But there were some great responses in there. And and I'll, I'll give you another case in point, just, just staying on this line of, the only option when I was a younger business person was to pay for that information, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was so closely held, like we talked about to start the episode, there weren't all of these other options to start. Brooke, um, who is, who is applied to veterinary school, got her first, um, invitation to interview and I know nothing about it. So what did I do? I took it to chat GPT and asked it some questions because I want to be able to counsel her better. I don't have to sit in the interview, but I want to have a better, more meaningful conversation with her and asked chat GPT in it in, in three different passes, because if you do it again, it'll, it'll show up a little differently. You, you get, you know, let's just say 20 responses and then you go ahead and regenerate it again it'll shift it and you might get three new nuggets and then you do it again and you probably get three or four. Mm -hmm. So you end up with 27 thoughts or questions or, or things. It, I mean, just imagine the time it would take you historically to just get started, right? I mean, here's the start. I mean, I was like, okay, I'm 80% I'm of the way there and I have enough knowledge or intelligence about some of these where I can, I can get it to the 95-ish percent mark. It's not going to be perfect, but all of these tools that you have now is just, just amazing. It's going to be incredibly disruptive to all of the things we just talked about, but man, the tools that are available, if you'll just lean into them and, 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 and I, and I think this generation coming through now, we've talked about this is how it's just an extension of who they are. It's the very first thing and not in a lazy way, in an efficient way, in an investigative research way. Um, it's, it's really going to have things moving quickly. Absolutely. I think that's a good wrap. Uh, again, as I said, last one, last episode, which this was a part two, I feel like we could do a whole mini series on these. I mean, there are just so many lessons that are so applicable to life. But I think we got through a, a handful of the ones that are stick out the most to us as, yeah. as the most important. And, and hopefully um, there's some great insights that people can take away and apply to their own life. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, this is potentially, I think we've decided, our last episode for season one. Mm -hmm. It has been an incredible learning experience for us, just in every way. And we've gotten so much amazing feedback. Both great feedback, keep up what you're doing, and some critical, and here's what good cri critical, here's what you can change. So we're going to be taking all of those analytics and the feedback and refining the podcast for season two. Mm -hmm. Think the idea and the timeline is going to be very short, maybe take a couple to, to a few weeks to change a couple of things up to make it better for our audience and our viewers. And a couple of the things that we've been talking about is getting some guests on. Mm -hmm. some, And we'd like to stay in our niche and in our lane. And that means talking to potentially other couples that are in business together and doing something similar. So we definitely are, are planning to bring some guests on um, and, you know, changing up some of the some of the 
viewing cap- you know the way you view this the way it looks make, whether it's better lighting or better angles on how we're talking just making it an overall better experience for for people that are watching and we're also going to have some surprises that we're going to throw into season two so while we love this format of you and I sitting across the table for an hour and that and, and, and discussing a topic in depth that's not going away we are going to interject a lot of other things into season two Well, I'm excited. I don't know any of those. Like usual, I don't know much about what we're doing, but uh, I will show up and be ready to contribute. Just let this mind go to work. I do. I do. I have so many. Well, I, my, oh my gosh, I have so many ideas. I know. I know. This is going to be, yeah, you're going to, you're going to be a beauty today. So it's only, it's only uh, nine o'clock in the morning. So you're, uh, you already shot out of a cannon. And I will just say, just to put it the time, we started this on June 10th of 2023. So that's how long we've been at it for our our very first season, which went really fast, just like these episodes that we shoot go really fast. And, and, uh, it's uh, it's been fun. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And and one not, thing not like reading. <laughs> this is not a farewell no. or anything of the sort. But but just a, a mental wrap for me because I, I do need to to uh, to close loops and spots and and uh, we will listen, learn, get better, deliver more, deliver better. That's just 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 how we strive. Absolutely. And the one thing that you and I are always going to be is committed. And when we say we're going to start something, we're going to see it through. And we did. And that's why we made it into the top one percent of podcast which is when you get to episode 21 by just the the sheer number of getting to 21 only one percent of podcasters get to episode 21 they fail before they stop before because it's hard and oh wait you were i thought we were in one percent of podcasts in the world does that sound what that meant hey there's a little clickbait for everybody shit, you don't t- you, don't, you don't even share for me that's why i click because i thought we were oh, in the top one percent stop Damn. So I thought we were staring down Rogan, but, but I, I think I think that's p- part of like just we're very committed and consistent. It's gonna it's all about consistency here. Lastly, and most importantly, thank you so much for everybody that has been following along. And um, again, we'll start up in a couple of weeks and we'll make this even better to give you even a greater experience, yeah. hopefully, than you've already had. And big and one of the biggest, Tommy. We got yes, uh, Tommy. Yes, yes, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for all, all the commitment, and yeah. we've had some some guest recorders along the way, and and uh, but Tommy's been the the core of much of this. Absolutely, and uh, and a lot of great internal support. You know, the people that we we break out of here, they're like, I wonder what those two nuts were doing for the last hour. <laughs> like, we'll just give it two weeks in our insulated G- room. Give it a couple of weeks, you get to see what we've been working on. So, yeah. so so what please are, stay tuned and. Um, Stay tuned because we've got some awesome stuff coming for season two and we'll be right back at it. And we expect you guys to be right back at it with us. Yeah. Rest up. You're going to need it, suckers. Yeah. Let's do this. (laughs) Cheers. 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 Season one, baby. Thank you, Tommy.